0: This is Steel City Business, the Sheffield Business Podcast. Hello, I'm James, and this is Steel City Business, brought to you by the team at Rebel Base Media, highlighting the great stuff happening within the business community here in Sheffield. Today, we're at Bond Bryan Architects in Crooks, with directors Jonathan and Matt to find out about their growth over the last 30 years to a team of 70 people in Sheffield and 125 around the country.
1: I'm Jonathan Herbert. I'm managing director of Bond Bryan.
2: And Hello, my name is Matthew Hutton. I'm a director at Bond Architects. Uh, I've been here for the last
0: 16 years, I believe, so a long time.
2: And I'm kind of principally looking after the, the offices in Birmingham and Sheffield.
0: Okay, um, real simple first question. Tell me about the company. Wow. <laughs> well, the company,
1: I, I deliberately didn't mention how long I've been here. Oh in the intro, because it's more or less from the start, and the company's about 31 years old now. So it's been going quite a while, and uh, it's an architectural practice first and foremost, although, you know, we do do other things. Um, But it's a company that's, I think, founded on great design and high service values. Uh, It's a company that really, for the first 20-odd years of its life, grew in Sheffield, Um, But nowadays, we're also in, uh, although this remains the HQ, we're in uh, Birmingham, we're in London, and we've also got an office down in Kent. And we're very, very busy and working hard in a number of very interesting sectors.
0: Well, Matt, do you you want to just kind of set the scene in terms of the fact that uh, I imagine I'm not the only person that's ever said this, but I did nearly drive past this morning because... (laughs) I assume this was a church, so um, I'm guessing it is a converted church building, but it's um, I mean it's quite something, this is a really impressive office.
2: Yeah, it's a fabulous space, it's um, our um, original partners John Bond and John Bryan, uh, Jonathan was here at the time I guess, converted this church to become our office about 26 years ago, something like that, Um, so we've been here for a long time. Uh, we still get people coming into the door thinking um, they can sign up for yoga and things like <laughs> that. But it, it is an architectural practice. Um, and interesting, we're, we're coming to a period in our kind of history where in the next couple of years, we're potentially looking at uh, moving venues but because the lease runs out on the church. And it, it may be something we consider looking at uh, an office somewhere else in Sheffield. But we'll certainly be saying in Sheffield, whether that's in the center or here.
1: It is, it is a building that I think is really sort of embedded in its community. And as Matt says, apart from the yoga, we also get people coming in saying they got married here mm-hmm. and can they just have a look around. But it, as wow. you're right, it is a fabulous space. So,
0: so um, kind of take me back then right to the, to the sort of the early days and um, what's kind of happened along the way to, to bring us to, to where you are today.
1: Okay. Well, like most businesses right at the start, I think we were... Um, I suppose, like most startups, kind of looking for something to do. And uh, we were thrashing around, obviously working very hard for a very broad range of clients. But in the first two or three years, we increasingly, um, we were lucky in some ways, actually. when well, I mean, We were working hard, but we got some good patronage. And we were doing quite a lot of early design work and kind of feasibility Style work, so not actually getting to do full design work, but sort of uh, work investigating sites um, for people who are ne- the organization that's now Sheffield Hallam University. Um, we then won a major design competition, somewhat against all the odds, because there were sort of seven or eight of us at the time. Um, it was a national design competition to do a master plan for Hallam University at the time. Um, and I, would, I can't say the rest is history because there's a, gr- a great deal went on. But since that period, there's been a gradual expen- expansion, both in terms of the client pace and you know, and ultimately the number of sectors we work in. But that's where we started, f- and indeed, still where um, around seventy percent of the business is in various in the education sector, in various forms of education, and that's been a particular interest and passion of ours for a number of years. But we've grown organically, um, and in the last 10 years, when uh, a group of us actually bought the business from the founders, we've exhibited a degree of ambition, and that's where the other three sites come from, because um, over the years, your brand kind of gets stronger and stronger. You get better known for the design you do, so there's an opportunity, if you like, to take that nationally uh, and be recognised for the work you do in other regions.
0: So um, just to kind of sum up where you are, right now so you mentioned about having other sites so it's, it's four sites and, yep. and, and what's the kind of the the scale of the organization
1: okay well the overall scale of the organization is around um, 125 people and there are about i think we were just discussing this a moment ago weren't we i think there's about 70 people here so there's a little over half the organization is still uh, based in sheffield Um, Birmingham's a relatively small office, but we're looking to grow that significantly over the next two years. Uh, The uh, the offices in the south in um, London and Kent have around about 60-odd staff between them. Um, So those are the places we went to first, the offices in the south in terms of our
0: expansion, and now we're also very much looking at the West Midlands as well. Tell us some of the some of the buildings that you 've kind of been involved with designing then over the over the years so in Sheffield or um,
2: anywhere anywhere yeah, so I suppose my um, role has been to lead a lot of the design projects uh, from kind of inception because um, that's I suppose my background. I kind of grew up in um, working and um, learning in London at, at the Bartlett. Um, where when I came up to Sheffield in 2003 I think it was um, the directors here at the time kind of gave me a huge opportunity to say you know get involved in a number of different projects and we want you to work across things so I've been very very lucky in my career to work on a number of really important buildings so in in Sheffield at least recently the Charles Street building for Sheffield Hallam University, which is on Arundel Gate. Um, we did a fabulous building there for the university, working with um, a local artist, Corin Meller. If you know, David Meller Cutlery, who helped design the bridge with us, which is really exciting. Currently working with the University of Sheffield on the mapping building refurbishment, which is a kind of curved glass roof structure at the rear of the mapping building, which is another you know, kind of once in a lifetime opportunity, really, so it's, it's very exciting. And then also I'm a Nottingham lad born and bred and luckily I've been able to get back to kind of the East Midlands and do a lot of work for uh, the University of Nottingham and Nottingham College. So we have a a project on site at the moment, a £60 million new build college, which is right in the heart of the city centre of my kind of hometown. And then we've done a number of kind of award winning projects for the University of Nottingham. So it's been a a great ride really, it's been a very exciting process to get, to where we are and i think you talked kind of earlier about where how we got to where we're going to and i think you know hopefully we've we've been a big part of that since 2003 growing the business in a much more design focused kind of mentality
0: how does it feel when you kind of walk past or drive past a building that you've kind of been involved in creating do you become hardened to it or is there still do you still get that kind of butterfly feeling when you when you see those buildings
2: personally i do yeah i I don't know whether it's an age thing and maybe it will happen in in years to come i guess but um no i'm still incredibly proud of of all the projects i've worked on um i love going back to see them and and the the most important thing is seeing the people using them and within them because that's what we do really you know we, we design bricks and mortar but it's actually not really about that it's about the people um, and when you see whether it's staff or students learning in a building, or we get feedback, you know, from the heads of departments or di- directors of estates and whatever, it's just such a fantastic feeling to know we've done something that's going to have a lasting legacy.
0: So, what makes um obviously there's 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 uh, different architects out there. What what makes you unique? It's a difficult question. That it's something
2: um, we're sort of wrestling with, I suppose, a little bit at the moment in terms of. Not just in terms of what we do. I think we can talk about what we, what makes us unique in terms of how we innovate, how we inspire people, and, and things like that. But our true purpose as architects and, and our wider purpose beyond what we do um, in terms of as designers—that's something we need to really grasp in the next kind of period of, of our development. I think you know you think a lot of the um, kids coming out of universities and schools at the moment are very you know interested in sustainability and and globally how what's our kind of conscience as a practice and I think that's something we're beginning to develop a bit more But I suppose our biggest unique selling point is the people that are here the way we talk to other people communicate collaborate and um, it's always been a very open kind of family feel I guess isn't it in the office and even though the scale we're at I think if you ask anybody downstairs they would say it's, it's more of a family atmosphere and I think that's what really sets us apart and our approach then from our people to how we design projects is, is all interlinked.
1: I would add to that in that I think we do have, um, partly because um, one of the things we have is actually very low staff turnover. I guess you'd have to ask the staff why <laughs> <what> that is. <laughs> uh, we, we're by no means perfect, but we, you know, we do try to do our, our best by people. And I think uh, over the years, in all our offices, but Sheffield in particular, given that it's a you know, very long-established office, has that real sort of cohesive feel and that real you know kind of sense of uh community and collaboration and i think if there's one thing that kind of distinguishes Bon brian more than most is is probably trying to get under the skin of things a little bit so you know one of the things we often say to our staff is you know okay the the, our client now wants to spend 20 million pounds you know that's a typical size of a project there must be a reason for that you know (laughs) it's you know that if you're going to invest that much money you want certain outcomes so what is a particular kind of motivation and how do we help the client achieve that and I think I I guess that is Mm -hmm. is that fair is that one of our distinguishing features I'm sure it's something that all architects do but it's something that we are particularly passionate about and and I guess that's why uh, we focus on a distinct number of sectors so we can be expert in them and so, so that we can create the very best, you know, design solutions within those particular sectors.
0: Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the world is ever changing, but, um, you know, we live in a world now where carbon footprints yes. and sustainability and things like that are real kind of buzzwords yeah. and, and, and really important to people. Yeah. How has the, the task of um, designing a building uh, changed over the years? Uh, Well, considerably, I would say. Um, Years and years ago,
1: there's always been something around called the building regulations, which require you to sort of achieve certain minimal, but I think with with the benefit of hindsight, minimal standards. Uh, in terms of things like insulation and heat loss and you know uh, things that really affect carbon footprint i think matt was probably a bit modest a moment ago when he was saying we're kind of just getting not just, you didn't say just getting into sustainability but we're addressing it more it's always been an issue and i think it's been an issue um in uh, architecture for about 10 years in quite a significant way actually in terms of how do we you know develop sustainable solutions solutions that have a low carbon footprint that you know don't use a lot of energy that do use the right materials and that's increasingly something that um, uh, architects are looking to address and I think it's a very very significant part of our future actually yeah I think something
2: maybe i was been slightly modest but this um, obviously we're very passionate about sustainability we were lucky enough to win an RIBA award for sustainability last year for our national college for high-speed rail which was a difficult thing to win in in the context of what we were developing which was a further education college in a, in a brownfield site and um, so there's an element of things we do naturally because we part of our brief is to, is to achieve certain things i suppose the bit i was getting is it was the more as a business kind of persona like our social conscience beyond what we do is something i think we can work on developing even further and yeah. um, because we have this unique opportunity to to, to do these fantastic projects and work with clients that want to achieve certain things. And I think our own agenda could help really push that into the next level.
0: Okay, now this might be something that uh, that you want to combine resources to answer or you might want to answer separately, but um, what three words would you use to, to, to sum up the organization? I was going to say our
2: strapline on the uh, website is innovate, inspire, connect. They're the sort of three words we have on our on our website and we, we did a rebranding a couple of years ago actually and um I think that's quite good actually. It touches lots of different elements of of what we do. Inspire in terms of inspiring architecture and design but also the people within the business as well. Inspire them to grow and develop into the leaders of the future. That's something really important. Innovate is is a big part of architecture, being innovative in terms of the design process and how we communicate with people. I think that's a, a another useful word I'm not saying these are the three they could be other three I'm sure. um, and then connect is, is what that thing we touched on earlier so our USP around how we talk to people I talk to our clients talk to stakeholders talk to local authorities you know it's, it's a very open and honest conversation that we try to have with everyone at, at every level uh, very authentic in terms of trying to get to the right solution and supporting the right solution we don't hold on to design ambitions because we're the architects and we want to do you know Um, be cravat wearing, waving our hands around type architects. We're not like that. We're very practical and we kind of believe in the right solution for our clients.
0: What have been the biggest successes over the years? And that might be, you know, individual buildings that have won awards or it might be kind of smaller things that just really stand out in in your minds as to the, you know, the real big successes over the years.
2: Do you want to start from kind of your section up to when I started and then I'll do a bit after that? Oh, okay. (laughs) Do you all have a different view of it? Yeah, I, I think Matt's actually got
1: the best territory here. If he if he does <laughs> if he does the last ten years, and I do the first twenty, because uh, as you'll hear in a minute, we've won a lot of awards in the last ten, and I think we really have pushed forward, um, um, you know, on in terms of real quality design solutions. You know, in in some cases, quite breathtaking solutions. Um, I, I think the success around the first twenty years was, you know. Um, Very much based around building a business founded on, you know, really great service values, and um, you know, we got we really during that first period of our time uh, cemented a position for ourselves where what set off as a three four person, I think I was the fifth person through the door if I remember correctly, uh, three four initially three four person uh, office on Northumberland Road, which is just half a mile from here very small Sheffield-based practice, but the ability to kind of grow organically based on just people saying, hey, have you worked with these guys? You know, these guys are really helpful. They're really useful. They really focus on what it is or what clients need to get out of projects. Really created a substantial base and a substantial business, which we could then take to the next level, which I guess is where Matt joined us and, you know, Matt's a big part of, was a big part of taking things to the next level
2: yeah i suppose for me coming in my driver um was always about moving the practice to being a bit more design led and design focused and i think over the last 15 years um through various people's influences you know not certainly not my own but me contributing we have done that and we we've kind of moved to a position now where we've been lucky enough to win multiple riba awards and be shortlisted for Numerous awards for the last few years. We won the Education Architect of the Year at the Education Estates Awards, which for us is a a big deal because they're our clients, they're our peers, uh, and we've been shortlisted the last three years for for that in a row. So that's something we're incredibly proud of in a sector that we're extremely passionate about. So I think there's lots of there's lots of kind of spikes in in interest and and really exciting things that have happened over the last fifteen twenty years and. It's kind of what's exciting is this is for me like a, another beginning now so becoming a director two years ago and talking about where we're kind of heading now in the future and potentially you know moving offices or that there's so much to happen yet in the business and it's an incredibly exciting time for everyone in the business um and that so yeah that's i suppose exciting challenging terrifying all those things all at once but it's it's, it's, it's a good time yeah
0: was there was there one award or one award nomination that, that meant more than the, the others
2: Absolutely, I mean for me the RIBA awards has been this sort of pinnacle of, of winning some sort of design award and for 15 16 years I've been shortlisted on every single job I've worked on, never won one always the bridesmaid, never the bride so when we did get one for our University of Nottingham project, the Advanced Manufacturing Building, that for me it was like, finally we've achieved what I want to achieve but then you sort of reset your kind of your next goal you know and and luckily beyond that we 've won more awards they 've kind of carried on, which has been great because it was almost like a tipping point of of where we we're getting to and I remember sitting in a, a lecture once by an architect who had been through a similar process where they 'd spent fifteen, twenty years p- applying for every single award, never winning anything, and they actually ended up winning the Sterling prize. And it was something that I sat in that lecture theatre that day thinking, right, I'm still, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep trying. And so that, that was a pinnacle moment for me. But then you almost forget about that because you then need to move on to the next thing. And, and how do we grow and challenge each other to, to reach the next goal? And I think the next goal is even harder to get to. It's not just a step up on the ladder. It's a big jump. And we've got to figure out a way to, to move into that.
0: Um, obviously, we um, we we went through a fairly big recession um, not that long ago, um, and and kind of other um, things kind of over the the years that have, um, have have kind of been challenges for the business community. What what have been the real challenges for you, either as a business or within the industry?
2: Um, I mean, Jonathan probably talked more detailed about what two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. I was um, I was working here. Obviously, I was just about to get married. Actually, just before the the day we announced. Um, that we we're going to have to lose some of our staff because it was such a big crushing blow for architecture because obviously as architects, you're kind of the first point of call for something to stop. If you're designing a new building and you suddenly realise you don't have enough money to design a new building, we, we get hit first. Um, and having never lived through a recession before that, it was pretty shocking to me to see how quickly and how rapidly we have to make change. And so that was very, very difficult. Um, and certainly Jonathan and the team here did an incredible job of keeping the business going um, over an incredibly tough period of, of our lives collectively, but obviously just in the, in the, in the UK as well. Um, but since then we've we've built you know, we've built really well sustainably. we've looked to diversify across different sectors to try and grow the business in such a way that if and I'm sure when another recession does happen, hopefully we'll be a bit more uh, robust against that.
1: You asked for more detail. I don't want to talk about two, no, no. 2009 too much. But um, I talked about the first 20 years of the practice was very much about growing the brand. And we had got ourselves into a position where we were recognized by government, in fact, in our major government framework. So we were being appointed by government to, to do some you know, very, very, very significant stuff. Uh, and we sort of broadly achieved that around 2007, 2008. And in uh, 2009, ultimately 2010, when Austerity came in, most of those contracts were canceled. So to kind of find a way of um, picking yourself up and rebuilding the business, perhaps on a slightly broader base, with more clients in more sectors than had previously been the case, rather than just focusing on you know particular prizes, which was a, a particular stream of work can just disappear overnight has been a huge challenge um but i think it's something that um you know all the staff not just the directors everyone in the business has worked really hard towards achieving and you know we're, we're really really proud aren't we of uh, all our staff and how they've helped us um actually from quite a low point to the the depth of the recession rebuild the business even stronger take the fact that we did have that reputation and we do have all those service values and all those abilities and then reapply them to a new uh, generation of clients in new sectors you know so uh, it's challenging but if you can address the challenges there's usually a way forward you know
0: going back a little bit um, further than than that um, I'm thinking back to 9-11 what, what did that have any impact on on, on what you do um, in terms of did it impact on on business and did it impact on how you design buildings
1: well I'm sure it impacted on uh, people who design very high-rise buildings um, interesting we've only just Uh, Most buildings are not (laughs) more than three to four stories tall. Most buildings that humanity devises are relatively low rise, and so uh, I would say the work we were in at the time, you know, there's very little impact in all of that, other than you know, I guess it creates a certain amount of uncertainty in the world, and then that kind of feeds through into the broader economy. I think there's a broader question there about safety of high rise buildings, and we are now in uh, a position where you know, clients in London, particularly in our London practice, do uh, want us to go really tall. And indeed, that then opens up a whole, you know, range of issues. Obviously, everyone's very, very aware of what happened at Grenfell. And so the safety of taller structures is, you know, the forefront of everyone's mind. And actually, it's really the forefront of the industry. It's interesting, I was looking through an industry magazine the other day, addressed the architects, and all the adverts were around this cladding is very safe or you know this address fire and safety issues in this way and the you know that's that's become the preoccupation and indeed uh focus of the industry. Uh,
0: thinking um back to kind of where we are here in in Sheffield um what are your thoughts on the the business scene in Sheffield right now?
1: I think it's probably stronger than it's ever been uh for a number of years well certainly for a number of years anyway I Get a sense of their being in Sheffield a real sort of can-do attitude I think historically perhaps Sheffield's been a bit looked to others outside the city to kind of solve its problems Um, But I think there's there's a whole new generation of people coming through uh, considerably younger than me and Probably, uh, (laughs) yeah, I didn't want to say it, but a little bit younger than Matt Um who are kind of almost the millennial generation that have, yeah. uh, that have none of that baggage in the past about, you know, things like uh, previous crashes even or, you know, the industrial decline that Sheffield witnessed to a certain degree in the 70s and 80s that, are just, that just see a um, really well-positioned, literally well-positioned in a beautiful setting, actually, if you examine it, in a really good uh, position in the country a real opportunity to do business and do great things.
2: Yeah, I think um, from my perspective, it's it's a really exciting time. um, In terms of our industry, personally, where where we work, um, there's a lot of creative digital companies coming into Sheffield now that are very excited about working here and looking at that sort of collaborative approach to working across businesses as well, which is something that we're very excited about obviously advanced manufacturing is huge we were a big part of the the design of all the advanced manufacturing park and we've master planned that and worked on projects you know throughout so to see that being not just something for sheffield but for the uk being such an important part of um of industry that's something we're incredibly proud to be involved in as well um we we work on and sit on the challenge group of the sheffield property association which is something that was brought together by a number of kind of private sector leaders to help the public sector drive investment into the city. So we see that growing year on year. We've been a part of that for the last two or three years. Uh, some of our team members are heavily involved in in a challenge group that, that kind of supports um, challenging questions around what, what they're doing and how to best drive investment and, and bring people in from outside of Sheffield to, to put investment into the city as well. So I think there's a lot of things going on from a grassroots level. They're not sort of waiting for anyone in government to, to give us the nod to say, you know, let's do it. Look, people are just grasping the opportunity now that is Sheffield. Uh, and there is huge amounts of opportunity here um, and really running with it. And we're just supporting and facilitating and helping where we can. how so, you know, it's a very exciting time, I think, for the city.
0: I'm quite interested in uh, your approach to marketing and um, advertising because I'm guessing you don't get many people who ring up and say, oh, I've just seen your advert in a newspaper and I thought, yeah, I'll build it. Let's get, let's get a new building done today. Um, so, um, yeah, how do you kind of go about um, that that side of things?
2: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, you'd, ideally, you'd think repeat business would be the best place to, to go. And I think that's really where we get a lot of our business, whether that's through clients or contractors um, so doing a, a really good job and and you know being a, a very good f- friend and going above and beyond what's expected generally will put you in a good position to get the next project um, but projects like you say, they don't just land on your doorstep they, they can come through design competitions through frameworks and there's always a competitive element to everything that we do whether it's fee percentages or whatever so um, I think there's a there's probably two strands to it one is pricing and ensuring we do a a really quality job um which sets us in a good position to to win multiple projects from new from existing clients and the new client stuff is it's about us getting out and about meeting new people presenting to them talking to them how about how we can help them deliver on their visions um and i think that's a big part of certainly my role is 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 attracting new business and finding new business so um, yeah there 's lots of elements to it i guess it 's a, a bit like a spider 's web in terms of how you get to a project in fact some one of our i 'm supposed to be doing a presentation on this in the office soon about kind of client relationship management and business development and trying to explain a path of that initial conversation to how you win a project and it's so multi multifaceted. We use a lot of social media now, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, to talk about the things that we're doing and not just the projects, but actually our people as well. I think that's a big part. We talked about it earlier, our USP in terms of their experience as as staff or students coming in. It's so important for us to get it right that they feel like they've had a fantastic experience and had a broad range of experiences while they're here. So that's that's kind of a big part of the marketing as well, I guess. you Want to add anything to that?
1: I think well, just to reiterate what Matt said. I think it's <clears throat> um, you know the brand and the reputation is there, and the repeat business is there. But um, it's about demonstrating. Ultimately, you need the brand, the reputation, aware the, the brand awareness, the reputation to get people to just sit up and take any notice in you uh, of you at all. It's getting out and meeting people. It's it's the kind of ultimately people buy from people, don't they? Um, and this is very much a trust-based business. You know, people. Um, you know, b- designing and constructing buildings isn't entirely risk-averse. Uh, you only have to watch grand designs and shows like that. So you kind of know that. Uh, and so people uh, want to buy from people they they feel they know because they feel they can trust. So. Uh, getting out, meeting people is an absolutely vital part of the job and, you know, a massive part of what uh, Matt does. Interestingly, you said earlier, oh, you know, we turned up a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but actually by doing that we keep we, we keep redefining once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, don't we? So we're getting some great stuff through the door, but you do have to keep, you know, it's a constant battle, I suppose. You do have to keep keep at it all the time, you know.
0: Architecture is still, um, uh, you know, an immensely popular subject for people to kind of study at university and and things like that. Um, If there's anyone listening to this that's kind of at the beginning of their sort of journey in (laughs) architecture, um, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: I I, I would. Well, first of all, you know, I think in university, really, really test yourself and use that opportunity because you never quite get that opportunity again to. You know, explore interesting ideas. You know, it's about being creative. But going to university really isn't it? Um, um, so you know, you know, treat it for what it is. University. It's an opportunity. The, the the university course is essentially an opportunity to, you know, be creative, uh, stretch your mind, read up on different stuff, go and visit different architects' work, go and look at buildings, think about what it all means to you. So you come out of university without really kind of a strong sense of, you know, what really interests you. And then when you get out of university, you know, just something that I probably didn't appreciate at the time, and I think I got lucky, you know, selecting the right employer for you, finding a company that will actually, does actually reflect your values, that will let you work on things that you're really interested in, is probably really, really important.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd echo that. And I'd also, I think architecture is a very... Well I suppose any creative industry is, is is tough there's a lot of competition um pay's not particularly great when you come out of university you know to be quite honest um so you've you've studied for a long time a lot of the students coming out of university at the moment are are quite heavily in debt because of the way the the system is now you know seven years of studying what used to be nine and a half grand a year I think seven and a half grand or six and a half now you know that's that's a lot of commitment and I think I'd say to anyone, <laughs> don't do it now, manager <laughs> no. <laughs> How many only No, what I say, and I have said this to a number of our our younger members of staff, is when when I started out, it wasn't about the salary, the title, the whatever. It's because I really passionately loved doing it. And I think if you're going to get into a creative industry, you've got to have that inner drive to do something beyond what your job is because you're never really going to get paid for the hours you do because the more time you put into it, the more you get out of it. Uh, And I think I sort of grew up under that mentality, um and was kind of very passionate and driven about what i want to do in architecture and then other things just happen beyond that and i think if you're going to take on a seven-year degree course and and then get you know not pay particularly when well, you come straight out of university you're not going to survive unless you've got that passion
0: um, we touched earlier on about um, the kind of the harder times that we saw 10 years ago. We're living in fairly uncertain times now as we record this. We've got the big B word lingering possibly at the end of January or whatever might happen there. Um, what are your kind of hopes and um, aims for the company moving forward? Um, I think they'll ignore the B
1: word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like a lot of people, have quite strong opinions But, you know, I think uh, ultimately, um, you know, what will be, will be I, I Actually, I think one of the things that's happened over the last three years Is I heard someone define it, interestingly enough I think it was a the Sheffield Property Association uh, event As the courage economy Which I think is just getting on with things, you know uh, I think the courage economy has been challenged to the max in uh, over the last sort of nine months. But I think you know there is still a lot of that going on. I know, I know some of the data suggests the economy is slowing down. We d- we don't know exactly where the f- what the future holds. Uh, I mean, for for us, we have quite clear strategies and sectors that we we will look at a broad range of sectors. But the sectors that we're particularly interested in are is the education side of things, but also increasingly in some ways because it's an increasing political issue, uh, the residential side. So we, we do uh, far more work in the residential sector than we ever used to. And we see huge opportunities uh, in both those sectors, both in the public sector, which does from which we do still draw a large portion of our income and the private sector. And so whatever the outcome in terms of certain, you know, difficult political decisions, we do see an opportunity, I think, for the country and therefore ourselves to invest further in those sectors. And that's something that you hear uh, people out even on the campaign trails. The other thing that to note is we actually have a um, reasonably strong pipeline. One can never be totally certain, but in terms of obviously we, we're constantly reviewing where we are in terms of... Um, likely future projects and there's a there's a lot coming forward and so you know we we take a certain amount of well more than hope i think optimism from that
2: part of what you said i think that kind of entrepreneurial spirit of people generally nowadays in in against some of the political issues that we're dealing with constantly in the global crisis and you know it's kind of it's people are rolling their sleeves up and getting on with things, and I think that's kind of our mentality and like Jonathan said, the pipeline looks very good for next year and this year has been been very good for us as well um and that's obviously not just born out of um political influences but in terms of the way we work with people and and the the work we're generating and the goodwill and the, the perception of of our businesses has, has changed as well. so I think it's all it's all good thing we are concerned I get I think everyone is concerned about what could happen. Post the B word, and but it's been a how many years of uncertainty now? For, you know, for a long time, hasn't it, for us all to deal with? And I think across the UK, people have just got on with it,
0: and hopefully that's that will continue. Right, final question to uh, to each of you: What is your favourite building in the world? That's an incredibly hard.
2: It's like picking your favourite child, and I've only got one, so <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> I mean. It's, an, it's a very cliche one, but um, Barcelona, Gaudi's building there is just incredible. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it in our lives again, in terms of the scope, the scale, the the kind of the ambition, um, and all wrapped up into this incredibly narrative and contextual piece in, in Barcelona. It's just, you know, th- there's nothing like it. And the reason they're still building it 100 years later is because it's the most complex building I think there will ever be um, so I think that's for me it's, it's got to be up there but then in contrast to that and as well in Barcelona it's probably Mies there's a pavilion there as well which was I think done in the 30s which is a very kind of ultra modernist building and you can look at it now and it's kind of it looks like it was built yesterday and that's something that how somebody tapped into what is contemporary architecture now back then it's pretty impressive actually so that they're, they're Probably my two favourites, and goes back to being a student and studying out there for a while and spending a bit of time there, and I think that kind of so you have a connection, personal connection with them, don't you?
1: So those are two quite not ultra contemporary things, quite uh, no. <clears throat> um, similarly, um, um, for me, it's uh, Glasgow School of Art, uh, designed by Charles Rennie Mackintosh. Um, which, again, is an old, not a new building. It's a building sort of uh, turn-of-the-century, turn-of-the-previous-century building, which I... Uh, my parents, for some reason, always took us to Scotland as a teenager instead of, you know, all my friends went to Spain. Right? I got bitten by midges and things like that. But we we stopped more than once uh, on the way up to the locks uh, in Glasgow, and... And being 15, 16 years old, uh, I was actually blown away by Glasgow School of Art. It's kind of the reason I became an architect. Um, it's a building that also famously was hugely fire-damaged a couple of years ago, which I actually got quite emotional about. <laughs> um, it, but it's also a building that I was lucky enough to revisit because uh, I, I worked uh, on a piece of consultancy work, uh, which is something Bon Brian does for Glasgow few years ago and so i got to go up to the building every month and sit and and meet with people and actually in effect work in the building all day and it's a building which i just gained you know i have amazing respect for because it's it's both beautiful um or was but hopefully it'll be restored it's both beautiful and incredibly practical and just so well considered you know every tiny detail was so well considered so if you don't know it I'd recommend it to people but they probably need to do a
0: bit of restoration work first um, if anyone wants to find out more about the uh, the business or see some of the stuff that you've been involved in or even get in touch what's the best way of people doing that
1: you can just phone us we <laughs> are amazed how few phone calls you get nowadays but obviously, all the information's on the website. Bondbrown.co.uk. We are very active on social media, so you'll find a lot of information on LinkedIn and
0: particularly Twitter. I can confirm it's definitely worth popping in to have a look around the building because it's, uh, yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> Guys, it thank you very much and thank you for your time. Thank you, thank you. Find us at steelcitybusiness.com and subscribe to get our new episodes first. Audio marketing works. Talk to the Rebel Base Media team about creating a custom, cost-effective podcast for your business at rebelbasemedia.io.